This podcast is hosted by Chris Finkston and Spencer Oliver. They are both experienced paramedics. They've done everything from 911 ground ambulance to volunteer fire department work and are both currently flight paramedics. This podcast reviews scenarios based on real calls run by real out-of-hospital clinicians. Details are changed to protect the privacy of those involved and to present educational opportunities to the listener. This podcast is EMS 2020. Hey everybody, welcome to EMS 2020. I am Chris, that is Spencer over there. Spencer, how you doing? I'm doing well. All right, well good. Hey, uh, so really quick before we get started into today's episode, which is going to be a good episode, I think actually Spencer and I have turned EMS 2020 into just uh, different ways we can stump each other, so I'm curious to see what Spencer has, or if that's his goal today, to make me uncomfortable. But um, anyway, (laughs) so uh, first thing guys, go ahead and check out our social media. We have been putting things on our social media now that you won't get here. There are things that aren't really worth a full podcast, but are still fun nonetheless. For example, we recently put... Uh, a segment that we cut from Clownfish Learns His ABCs, and it's basically me talking about poop. And it's really funny, uh, but we cut it and we went ahead and dropped it onto our Facebook page. And we're going to try and include uh, some cut scenes here and there. I don't really have a frequency on that, but just go ahead and stick around our, our social media uh, for some fun to kind of listen to uh, different things like that. We'll try and put some other stuff up there too. We have some other ideas coming down the line. Um, So yeah, please go ahead and check out our social media and like, share, subscribe, and uh, all that good stuff. Another thing, we love the reviews. They keep on coming in. You guys have left some really positive reviews uh, that really kind of drive while we do this, I guess. Um, You know, whether you're dropping reviews on iTunes or Facebook or wherever you get our podcast that lets you drop a review, please drop a review. It really, really helps us. And I recently learned how to look at reviews from other countries because it turns out uh, you only get the reviews in the country you're in. Oh wow! Um, so I I uh, I headed over to Australia. Oh, did what you? The, yeah, we're a 5.0 there. Nice. Uh, in the UK, we're a 4.8. Not as not as hot. You know, I, I've never <laughs> been to Australia. I've never been to Australia, but I really want to go. Like I've got a couple places I want to go. I want to go to Greece and I want to go to uh, Australia. And I think, I think Australia is the kind of place that I'm going to go to, and I'm going to make it back to the states, and I'm going to know that I loved being there, but I'm going to have a hard time remembering why. And I think, uh, I think that's an adventure I need to have before I get too old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Probably because you'll have like one of those like you know everything's poisonous so you get sick and you'll spend a bunch of time in the icu and then you'll just uh, you'll wake up in your own bed at home and it'll be like you really enjoyed your trip probably (laughs) probably just be a no it'd be a postcard like with a kangaroo on it um so anyway um and really quick i do want to address uh we did have a listener that brought up in our last episode uh it seemed like we were kind of admonishing uh clownfish for looking up a protocol while on a scene I want to be clear. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's not... So first of all, we're really glad someone called us out. If you disagree, like, let us know. We actually... Spencer and I are very, very aware that we're not always right. And so, I mean, us, our medical directors, some of our coworkers are also aware. And we would... uh, (laughs) And we love the opportunity... Acutely aware. Yeah, and we love the opportunity to learn. And I'll tell you this. If you bring up a point and we sit there and listen, we're like, shit, they are right. Then we'll say it like we are not we don't have an ego in this. The goal of this podcast is to educate. And if we miss that, if we miss that goal, then we're going to fix it. So uh, someone brought up that we seem to have kind of just really gotten on clownfish or overly focused on clownfish having to look up a protocol on scene. And I'm going to tell you right off the bat, I look at protocols on scene. Uh, I work for two agencies. They both have completely different protocols. And so I take no shame in having to look up a protocol to make sure I get things right. Uh, because as this person had pointed out, the time saved in looking up a protocol and getting it right, uh, or, or rather the time spent in looking up a protocol and getting it right, trumps the time saved in getting it wrong. Because if you get it wrong, you may have a whole lot of other stuff to deal with after that. Giving a wrong med, not enough of a med, too much of a med, those kind of stuff. And that's an absolute valid point. The point we were trying to make in Clownfish Learns His ABCs was that this was a protocol that he probably shouldn't have had to look up. At the time, though, because he didn't know it, he did the right thing. Absolutely. 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 100% agree with that. He did the right thing. He says, you know what? I don't know this. Whether or not he should doesn't matter. 
He doesn't know it right now and he needs to look it up. And he did. That was the right move. The problem was, is he is, he did make a mistake in my opinion that kind of put him in that spot in the first place. And that was, you should know your SVT protocol because that is one of those protocols where you may need to have to act fast. It's also kind of a simple protocol, that kind of stuff. And like, you should know that one off the top, off the top of your head, but that listener, you are absolutely right. There is no shame in looking up a protocol. You don't know, especially when the other option may be giving a wrong drug. So yeah, solid yeah. point. D- d- don't just blunder forward recklessly. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to put this drug in you. I don't know why, but. Uh, well, I don't want my yeah. ego to be bruised by having to open a book. Yeah, it's that probably far this. far more important than your health, sir. Shock so. it till you recognize it, right? Exactly. That's- <laughs> and for that, go see shocking mistakes. <laughs> All right. So with that, uh, this should be a fun episode. All I know is the title, which. Um, that's it. I know the patient's pregnant. That's as far as I know, because Spencer titled the show prep Pregnancy. So I'm going to start this uh, call off with sort of an unrelated call. So a couple weeks ago, um, I got up to do the social distance learning with my kids mm-hmm. and, you know, get them all squared away before they go into their Zoom meetings. And my daughter, uh, who's nine, goes like, Dad, can you make me breakfast like toads in a hole which is basically for those who aren't familiar with toads in a hole it's a egg with a like a circle cut out in the middle of or excuse me bread with a circle cut out in the middle of it that you drop an egg into and you fry it up and you know it's actually rather delicious so i was like all right i can make this for you so i go and uh, grab a a, uh, wine glass uh, because it actually makes like the perfect size hole in the bread and I push down and the thing shatters and impales through my thumb and my index finger. Just you know, makes this like terrible cut. It's like lightning. And I start bleeding everywhere. And I like, oh, my God. And my wife, who had been, she's a teacher and she's, you know, um, doing the teaching from home. And so she was up super late making, you know, like her lesson for the day. And then I was like, oh, God, I have to go wake up my wife now because I think I need help. Like, I am bleeding a lot. I probably need to go get sutures from the size of the cut that I was able to see. And, uh, yeah, so I go and wake her up. And I'm like, hey, big problem. I'm really cut. I need your help. And she just pounces out of bed, runs to the, the bathroom in our place. And starts grabbing out the first aid kit. And uh, my daughter is, of course, and my son are both interested. And they're like, what's going on? And we're like, stay back, stay back. It's fine. Everything's fine. There's no problem here. And my wife starts handing me bandaging stuff. And I take off the you know towel that I'd use to kind of stem the bleeding. And I start oozing blood out of the, the wounds. And I'm going like, oh, my God. You know, and my wife's going like, oh. And she kind of looks a little Uh-oh. faint and then goes like, here, here's the stuff. And then she starts leaning against the wall and she's like, oh God, I don't feel good. And I was going like, yeah, yeah, no. uh, Oh God, you should probably go lay down. And she's like, yeah, yeah. Some, some exchange happens like that. I don't remember the specifics, but she steps out into the, uh, like the door frame of the bathroom and she just kind of looks forward, not looking anywhere. And I go like, and I'm in the middle of like trying to wrap some cling wrap around my thumb and I'm going like, Hey, are you? And then she just falls face forward into the wall. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, knocks a picture down, and I I'm not like laughing, grab her. <laughs> and so I grab her, and my daughter is watching all of this, and she's going like, "What just happened?" And I was like, "It's fine." How she old just, your daughter again? <laughs> she's nine. Wow. Yep. She's going like, and she's like, "What is going on?" And I'm like, "She's fine. Your mom's fine. She just she passed out." And I lower, lower Amber to the ground, uh, lower my wife to the ground. And, uh, uh, she wakes up a few minutes later, a few moments later anyway, and kind of goes like, um, uh, why is the picture down? <laughs> and I'm like, you, you actually fell into it. She's like, oh my God. And I was like, yeah, you almost went out. And she's like, I don't remember anything. I was in the bathroom last time I remember anything. So, uh, I think I went all the way out. And so my daughter ended up becoming like my EMT assistant because she was like, can I help? And I was like, 
well, no, you just stay right there. And then I was like, actually, I still need to bandage my face. Like, I need things to finish the bandaging of the hand so that I can help the wife. And so I was like, actually, can you grab me scissors and can you grab me? And she, like, went just all out helping Nailed me. She's like, do you need the grass cleaned up or the glass cleaned up? And I was like, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, don't cut yourself, please. <laughs> And then he, anyway, I had to go to the urgent care and get uh, stitches in my thumb. Um, and so they told me, cause I, you know, like the, the conversation became medical uh, and they were like, you know, so the, the person throws the stitches in and goes like, and eh, two weeks time, you can take them out. I mean, if you want to come back here, you can, nice. you could just take them out <laughs> to which to me, that means take them out yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And I've like, I've never dealt with sutures, you know, like, I mean, I've had sutures put in me many times, but I've never dealt with them myself. So I kind of was like, yeah, 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 sure. And then in the back of my head, I was like, I'll just Google that shit and we'll figure it out. So today I, you know, I was like, today's the day they came out or they were supposed to come out. And so I uh, got all the stuff, you know, ready that wiki how said i would need <laughs> perfect good uh, that's actually how we do a lot of medicine in the field as well yeah basically yeah, yeah we get there, it's, it's uh you know body substance isolation precautions scene safety and then someone pull up wiki and then we go yeah i mean if you're not going to trust wiki then who can you trust and the more experienced par paramedics will actually get youtube videos before they try something that that is valid absolutely yep. valid um, yeah, so I went to do it and then I realized this, you know, I was like, all right. Uh, so I just, you know, pull up on the, you know, the little, uh, string with the tweezer and then cut, you know, just below the knot. And then, I, so I pulled up with the tweezer and then I was like, oh yeah, the cuts on my right hand, the hand that I need to cut with, <laughs> like, so I can't do this by myself. I actually need somebody. So I went to get my wife. Who nice. basically went like, nope, I can't do it. <laughs> she was not comfortable listen, with that. Listen, I passed out once. I'm not I'm not doing it again. Uh, which, <laughs> by the like, way, well, earlier when you described her passing out and you said she's just looking looking straight forward, for, for anyone who's not familiar, and I imagine a lot of our listeners are, but for anyone who's not familiar, that is the brain's way of telling the eyes, hey, I've got other shit to worry about. I have limited resources right now. Just... Stand by, which, by the way, if your brain is doing that with your eyes, shit's going down because usually yeah, your brain uses uses that that visual information a lot. Yeah, it relies heavily on visual stuff. So when it's disregarding all the visual stuff, yeah, yeah that's <laughs> things have gone wrong. <laughs> no, but my wife made the suggestion. She's like, why don't you ask our daughter? And oh, I went, wow. you know what? I will. Like, that's a great idea. And so, yeah, I asked her and she was like, oh my God, yes. Um, wow. So, yeah, she came and she pulled on the strings and I made the cuts. We were going to do it the other way, but. Uh, You're down to four I fingers got, on your right hand now, but still she helped. I got, I got scared. I got <laughs> scared when she was holding the, the, the you know, the uh, scissors like in my cut. I was like, you know, actually, <laughs> I'm right, like, at second thought, like you hold the tweezers, I'll make the cut. And we'll do it that way. So yeah, I took out my stitches with my daughter helping. It was that great. is awesome. If she's but, not a know, surgeon in the future, or at least a paramedic, then you went wrong. Yeah. Or you went right, yeah, actually. So the reason that this comes up, uh, the reason I bring this story, because one, it's an awesome story. I get to brag about my daughter being either a sociopath or awesome. Uh, either way, it's pretty cool. Yeah. An awesome um, sociopath, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, like, as paramedics, we don't get to play the I'm uncomfortable card, uh, which my wife rightfully played. Like, yeah, nope, that's not the thing. Um, I want you to just kind of keep that in mind as we go through this call. So here's the call. A private ALS ambulance with two paramedics and a fire engine. ALS, is by the way, is advanced life support. <laughs> I don't know if that's necessary or not, but... I'm I'm glad you clarified. Thank but you. I said it. <laughs> it's you know finally like 20 episodes in, we finally explained what ALS is. <laughs> <laughs> exactly 22 <laughs> episodes actually to be precise. <laughs> a, a fire engine is dispatched to a private residence in the suburbs around 2,300 hours for a reported complaint of a 28-year-old female in active labor. One of the medics has about three years experience and the other medic is a, is newly minted. 
the medic with some years of experience will be dubbed Mac, and his partner, the newly minted medic, will be called Miller. <laughs> Those are some interesting names to use. Absolutely. It's almost as though they have some sort of EMS connotation. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> the next paramedics are going to be uh, C-Mac and... Uh... <laughs> C-Mac and Glidescope? <laughs> So a little more background on the crew. Mac is also in his late 20s. He is married. He has one child. Miller is a single early 20s male with no children. Why does this matter? I don't know. (laughs) They drive to a residence, code three, and they are the first to arrive. So as they pull up and climb out of the vehicle, the patient, appearing very pregnant and grimacing, exits her house and beelines right towards the ambulance. Miller is the one who will be PIC, and he opens the side door to the patient compartment and assists the patient inside, instructing her to sit on the stretcher. While he's doing this, Mac cancels the fire department response via the radio and then climbs into the back to assist his partner. Question for you. Yeah. How do you feel about the fire department being canceled at this moment? Uh, Just sort of like the patient walks out and they're like, yeah, cancel fire. All right. So here's... (laughs) Here's my honesty moment. Have I done it this way? Yes. Yes, yeah, I have. No, absolutely. I have done it I'm this way. I'm not saying I haven't done it. <laughs> because here, here's what happened. So I, I primarily look at fire resources as two primary purposes. Uh, the first purpose is going to be extra an extra medical resource. Like I have a code 99 or I have a severe patient where doing it with just me and my partner is not going to be enough. Or I'm going to need a rider on the way in. It's just, it's not going to be enough. Um, the second thing, of course, is logistics, like actually trying to extract a patient, whether it's in a car or a third-story apartment, where I need more people. Oftentimes, if you're just, if you're for your medicing it, and this is where I do this, uh, you'll see a patient who is ambulatory, and that immediately does, all right, well, they're ambulatory, which means they can walk, which already, uh, I've learned that means they're green. You know, like I learned that means this yep. person's fine. And so they're already walking to your ambulance. Um, so, and they're walking to your ambulance, and that tells you two things. One, they're probably not that sick, which is not a good assumption to make, but it's, it's, it is one of those things that's probably true seven out of 10 times. Um, and you definitely don't need help extricating the patient from their house because they just did it for you. So. What do I think of a uh, canceling fire department before he's actually done any assessment whatsoever on the patient? It's a poor choice, but it's a poor choice that I've made. (laughs) So there we (laughs) go. I joined you. I joined you in having made that poor choice uh, many times. And, you know, honestly, not burned, not burned all that often by it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, (laughs) that's, that's fair. I'm not burned all that often by it. And that is a little bit sad to say, but there will come a time. I'm sure. So the patient once in the ambulance appears very pregnant and very uncomfortable slash painful. Her eyes are closed as she sit lays in a semi fowler position on the stretcher. And for those not familiar, semi fowler basically is like your the back of the stretcher is elevated to some degree. You know, like like I think it's I don't know if there's an actual you know like amount of degrees that the bed is elevated, but like they're not laying flat. They're laying with their like back slightly at an incline. So Miller introduces himself and asks the patient, so what's going on this evening? Nice open-ended question. Mm-hmm. The patient opens her eyes, looks at him incredulously and responds, I love that word. I'm in labor. I need to go to the hospital. <laughs> so, but you should, <laughs> and I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm going to sound like an idiot. Incredulous. Basically she gives him like the idiot. Like kind of look. exactly like this. Okay, exactly. Perfect. Yeah. Nope. That's it. Exactly. I felt dumb, and I will admit that was a big word for me. <laughs> <laughs> um. So Mac places her on the monitor, and her vitals are heart rate ninety, BP one thirty four over seventy three, uh, with the uh, non invasive blood pressure, ninety nine percent on room air, and respirations are twenty a minute. Her skin is warm, slightly moist to the touch. She's wearing a nightgown with a jacket over it. So Miller seems to have stalled out on the questions he wants to ask. <laughs> okay, the and question, <laughs> he's stalled out and this is how far he got. So what's going on? That's 
Okay, that was it. valid point. That was yep. it. That's all he had. He's like, and I'm done. <laughs> so Mac jumps in and asks questions like, how long have you been in labor? Yeah. And the patient doesn't actually respond right at that moment. She closes her eyes, clenches her jaw, and several moments later lets out a loud yell slash moan. We have all heard it. The, ah! yeah, this is my favorite thing that, that yeah. actually may be a saved clip that shows up in other podcasts and, <laughs> and other episodes that we do. Nice. Excellent. So Mac silently notes the time. Both Mac and Miller sit there for a moment, and then Miller, Miller, the newer paramedic who had stalled out, repeats the question, ma'am, what time did your labor start? The patient's response is just heavy pursed breathing, and Mac notes the patient's face loosening up after about one minute. Mm. Okay. Is this your first pregnancy, Mac asks. The patient nods. Have you been getting prenatal care? Again, the patient just nods. Did the doctors have any concerns during your pregnancy? She shakes her head no. Eyes are still closed. How many weeks along are you? She breathes heavily for a minute and then says, 34. Has your water broke? She shakes her head. Eyes still closed. Still appearing uncomfortable. All right. Uh, well, you uh, ready to go? Mac asks his partner. Miller says, yeah, uh, let's go. So Mac gets out, heads up front to drive, and the closest hospital, which is the hospital that they're going to, is about 10 minutes away. Okay, Chris, you're now Miller. How comfortable are you at the moment? What would you like to know? Here's kind of my thoughts. So these are my primary worries. She is 34 weeks, which means she's a third trimester patient and she's having contractions. Um she, if she were to give birth, this is technically going to be a premature baby. This is thankfully a, not thankfully. I mean, premature babies are always more complicated. Uh, however, 34 weeks is better than say 28 weeks. Premature. Yeah, for sure. So there's, yeah, there's definitely a line there. So, I mean, like, but this is one of the things where um, the big thing I would want to know is something that they really don't have the advantage of knowing right now. And that is when is the next contraction going to come? You can try and ask her when the last contraction is, uh, was, but for someone who I see a patient that's clearly in a ton of pain and she just wants this ambulance to fucking go because she's in a lot of pain. Uh, contractions suck and she needs to get to the hospital. And that's why she's kind of just bulldozing through their questions. It's not that she doesn't like them or she's necessarily mad at them, but she's she's in a lot of pain and she knows what she wants and that's get me to the hospital. And a lot of times patients who are in distress and they want, and they have a goal that they feel will help reduce their distress, they'll see your questions as a barrier to that. And so they either won't answer them or they'll scream through them they'll scream over you, that kind of stuff to try and give you the sign of like, I, I can't think to answer your questions. Just go. So anyway, I guess, yeah, the only other thing I'd want to know right now is, um, basically what's going to be the time between contractions. And we don't have that yet. Cause as of now we have, she screamed and yelled, which I'm going to say that could be a contraction. And, we need at least another one of those where we can get a time. So that's what I'd want to know. The other thing is if I was Mac and if I'm spitballing too far here, I'm going to ruin something. I haven't read this prep, but if I'm going to ruin something here, I'm sorry. If I was Mac and I knew I had a newly par minted paramedic who stalled out after uh, asking what was going on. <laughs> yeah. I usually ask this question. Like, Hey man, like, so what's your plan? from here to there. Like, what, what are you going to do in the back? And that will kind of get like the gears turning on new paramedic. They'll say, okay, well, yeah, I'm going to start an IV. Uh, I'm going to you know, apply oxygen. I'm going to go ahead and wait for the next contraction and like try to get a counter. Uh, and I'm going to gown up in case we have a spontaneous delivery from here to there. You know, those kind of things. Yeah. So that, you know, like those are the things that I would like to hear. And I feel like Mac was just like, all right, well, uh, you know, we've canceled the fire department. I really just think this is someone who's in pain. Let's just go. And didn't really address the fact that he has a new partner that doesn't really seem to grasp what's going on. I mean, he, yeah, it sounds like he's not up. It sounds like Miller is the one that is 
up big air quotes in the sense that like he is PIC it's his turn to take the call um, but as we've mentioned in other episodes like just because you get to go from the driver's seat doesn't mean that you are suddenly not part of patient care so yeah anyway that that that's where I'm at okay all right well Miller sets up getting a 20 gauge IV in the patient's left AC and Mac reminds him from the front that he should continue counting how long the contractions last and how far apart they are. Huh? So Mac is still playing. Miller acknowledges and then instructs the patient that she needs to tell him when the contractions start and finish so he can keep track. The patient initially doesn't respond, just sits there, eyes closed. Mm. When Miller begins to repeat the instruction, she moan yells over him. <laughs> Miller... Uh, <laughs> I was debating doing it again. Miller starts a timer. I can cut it in. I can cut it in. Hey, everybody, it's going to sound like this. Ah! (laughs) Miller starts a timer and notes it on the paperwork. After a good minute, her face loosens. Miller starts to ask her a third time, but she cuts him off and shouts, Okay! His partner, Mac, is laughing at his partner from up front. So... Uh, Miller goes and gives a radio report to the receiving hospital who happily respond that on arrival, the patient and the crew will go right up to labor and delivery, bypassing the ER entirely. That is a hot potato right there. That's what that is. That is like, yes, not us. That's basically what you have is you have a charge nurse who is taking that radio report and immediately puts her finger on her her nose. Like, not me. Not it. (laughs) Not it. All right. I don't have to care. So. With seemingly nothing else to do and stable vitals, Miller moves on to filling out his run sheet for the hospital. Mm. Ma'am, do you have any allergies? She doesn't respond. Ma'am, do you have any allergies? He asks again more sternly. Ah! She responds. (laughs) Miller gets incredibly frustrated. Um, In fact, he, uh, he passes a look through the little passageway up to Mac, his partner, as if like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) So he turns back to the patient and says, ma'am, you need to answer my question. Do you have any allergies? No, she shouts at him. So Matt calls out to his partner from the front and reminds him that, hey man, she's in labor and is probably just having a really hard time answering questions. Just keep track of the contractions. Miller pushes back a little. He says, I know that's important, but I I do need to get her allergies, her medications, and history. That's also important. And Mac responds with, I think you just get what you can. So, the patient's vitals are reported to have remained stable. The patient continued to have very intense contractions lasting about a minute each time and several minutes apart. And on arrival to the L&D, the crew turned over care to the team in the assessment room. And within moments of seeing the patient, a birth room was readied. And as the patient was being wheeled away, the patient did ask the nurse for an epidural. And the (laughs) the labor nurses sweetly responded, oh, there isn't time. You're going to have your baby. And then they took her straight to the room. So that's the call. Wow. Okay. What are your thoughts? All right. So before I forget about it, I'm not a big fan of Mac's response of, I think you get what you can. So interesting. Yeah. Here's, so that is what I would call pro level for your medicking. So I'm going to briefly describe for your medicking again. If anyone who's listened to the show for any period of time has heard us, refer to the four-year paramedic. What what we mean by that, we don't mean that all four-year paramedics are bad, but w- what I will say is that four years is kind of that line where you see a lot of paramedics either realize that they, they either get to a point where they believe they know enough that they kind of stop their learning process or they, uh, or they realize that, hey, I, I need to up my game. And the reason being is this. Four years is long enough to develop a lot of shortcuts that work for nine out of 10 patients, but not long enough to see those shortcuts fail drastically 
for one out of 10 patients. And it usually manifests itself in a way like, okay, hey, it's pneumonia season. I'm going to an old folks home and I have someone who has some difficulty breathing and they've got junk in their lungs. All right, it's pneumonia. Let's go. And nine times out of 10, you're right. Because a lot of these old folks home are just basically infection factories. And that's what happens. (laughs) But the problem is, is if you go there with that attitude, you may miss someone. It's like, oh, but you didn't actually look and see they have a bunch of pedal edema. You didn't do a 12 lead. And for all you know, you now just missed an MI that they've been having since that morning. And what we really have is cardiogenic failure with fluid backing up into the lungs and pulmonary edema. But because you used your shortcuts and your shortcuts basically being bullshit of, oh, it's pneumonia season. I'm not going to do a real assessment. Uh, you get caught with your pants down. This is kind mm. of kind kind of for your medicing a little bit where Max says, I think you get what you can. I agree. Mm. This patient is yelling. It's going to be hard to get any information from her. But I feel what Mac is kind of doing here is Mac is kind of justifying not trying harder. Here's what I would say where Miller went wrong is Miller tried to use authority to get an answer from someone who's in pain. I will tell you this. There is nobody more ready for conflict than someone in severe pain. Like they are like, it's sometimes you get people who are in severe pain who are just like, whatever you need. Okay. Yeah. Just give me some pain meds. Like I got to get rid of this. But a lot of times you get people who are in severe pain that they are already right up to that fuck you line. Like, here's the thing about severe pain. A lot of times you can't be mad at anybody because it's no one's fault. You got pregnant, you know, like you're in pain. That's part of being pregnant. It sucks, but it's no one's fault. But it still elicits an anger response. Well, the first person to slightly piss you off is going to get all of it. So here's the thing. I feel saying something like, oh, well, she was angry and mad. I couldn't get more information out of her. I'm just going to, this is what I can. That's a shortcut that nine out of 10 times will fly. You'll get people to say like, oh, I understand. But in reality, what this person needs is more compassion. And this may be a person, here's the thing, this may not work. I totally get it. But this may be a person that what I think uh, Miller needed to see was Miller needed to see that his more aggressive tactics of you need to, because he tries several times fairly aggressively. Like he stops with, ma'am, do you have any allergies? He asks more sternly yep. and gets nothing. And so what he does is he keeps ramping up that direction. Well, he probably should have seen as like, hey, you know what? Like my sternness isn't helping. And I'll tell you the truth. It took me a long time to realize sternness rarely does. Sternness is yeah. a good way to make you think you're getting what your answer are. Because here's the thing. She might be yelling no just to get him to shut the fuck up. For all I know, she does have an allergy. Because it will know, yeah. I mean, honestly, because here's yeah, what I no, can no, tell you. Fair. What I do know is she wants him to stop talking. And so now you're getting an answer where you're like, okay, is she giving him an answer because it's true? Or is she giving the answer to get him to stop talking? You don't know. Yeah, no. So when you create that's, an adversarial relationship, that's what that's that's where you put yourself. No, that's a really valid point. You know what you're saying is like he's basically he's basically just sort of co-signed like ah eh, you didn't get anything like yeah. yeah you won't. I that's interesting because I I kind of took it the other way, which was he noticed the like the method in which his partner was trying to get information mm-hmm. and just bent like dude just get what you like instead of saying like. Hey, stop yelling at her. Basically yeah. like, hey man, just f- fuck move on. <laughs> like yeah. you you're this is this tract isn't working. Like the the tract you're taking in terms of like as, yeah. asking questions and like like just move on. But um, I thought he's making an excuse. I th- no, you're right. I think uh I think that's that's sort of yeah. where it goes is like he's he cuz he didn't say that. If that's what he meant, he didn't say it. Yeah. Um, the other common, the other common time I'll see this is like combative or patients who are under arrest who are restrained. Is you'll have people who like um, they don't get a set of vial signs. Well, I didn't get a set of vial signs because he's combative and and you know safety. And it's like, yeah, safety first. But look, like he has one hand tied above his head and one hand tied down by his waist. You need to at least try to put a blood pressure cuff on there. If he starts fighting, you get fear for your safety. Sure, but. Chances are the the real reason you're saying that is you're being like, oh, I can be super lazy and just cite safety. That's what you're actually doing. Nine times out of 10, that is what you're doing. Uh, I would say like, like, I'm not telling you to be unsafe, but I'm going to say like, fucking put, put the blood pressure cuff on, put the pulse ox on, like 
Don't, <laughs> don't, don't do that. And that's what I feel Dude, like. Dude, quit calling me out, <laughs> you monster. <laughs> Rob, I'm I sorry, feel so man. attacked right now. I'm sorry, man, but. <laughs> yeah, it's just, um, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, yeah, and that's kind of what I seem like that. Ah, you get what you can. Where I would have gone with this patient in this, and now I, I'm, I'm going to reiterate, this might fail you too. I'm not saying that uh, you would have gotten any information, but as this call even mentioned, with stable vital signs and nothing else to do, Miller essentially just started charting is what ends up happening. And so yeah. to me, Miller had time to try another strategy. Like I, you can come back and be like, hey- I- I'm sorry, you're in pain. I was too stern. I just need to know your allergies because if we get, for us to be able to like help your pain or give you medication that's going to help your pregnancy, we just need to make sure you're not allergic to stuff. So if you have any allergies, that would really help. And then you would probably get more of a either a shaking head or something like that. But here's the thing. Your relationship is no longer adversarial. It's teamwork now. Exactly. I think that's where they went wrong from not necessarily like Max seemed to... You know, he knew the questions to ask. She was responding to him. Miller, I think, took sort of a yeah. I think he he took sort of the wrong approach in his you know like approach to this and set up that sort of adversarial uh, relationship. Whereas if he he'd just done kind of the showmanship of like, hey, we're getting you to the hospital. We're going to get you there, you know, as quick as possible. I just need some information so that I can get you, you know, like we can kind of streamline you getting through, you know, and getting where you need to go. Um, so that, you know, they can help you with your, you know, pain and, you know, whatnot. Then I like that would have, I, that probably would have, uh, elicited a lot more like, 100% 100% responses agree. and now like obviously asking her because some of this she he's clearly asking her questions when she's in active labor oh like, yeah yeah don't maybe don't ask questions when they're in like active labor if they're at the point where their labor is making them like yell and clench and sweat mm-hmm. like yeah maybe not the time to ask wait, wait, wait until that contraction finishes then then yeah try. give them you know give them a breather like yeah i don't know don't ask me math questions when I'm like working out. Right. <laughs> I, can't, I can't fucking answer it. Yeah. Like, no, exactly. that, uh, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. But like, uh, I what's mean, two plus two when you're holding, yeah. you know, 300 pounds over your head there, Chris? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, and Miller was right. He did need the information. It, it is important info. It's just. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you got to work harder to get it. So I, I felt like that was a real four-year medic move was. Yeah. It was. Hey. Um, yeah. So I think here are the big things that I saw when I took this call. And that one, there's a huge piece that's missing. Um, Say a pelvic and that's, exam too. Huh? A pelvic yeah no one looked to see if there was a baby coming out at any point during this call she walked in they and you know granted like they're like hey did your you know did your you know did have you membranes ruptured or whatever the question they specifically worded was but you know and she said no but oh god you gotta you gotta take a look even if you're uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and and believe me Everyone is uncomfortable. Yeah. Look, here's the thing. You're not always going to have Spencer's daughter with you to take over. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. My daughter would be like, yeah, I'll check. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> exactly. I hope there's a bloody head po- poking out of there. Oh, that would be great. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, no, that's true. And I mean, I'll openly admit, um, I so, so now nowadays I am more quick to do a pelvic um then I would say more most paramedics. Because to me, like, here's the thing. If you're telling me you're having contractions and you are pregnant and, uh, you know, other things line up with like, okay, you're telling me you're having contractions, uh, you are, you know, third trimester and we're th- talking about a pregnancy. Yeah, you're probably going to get a pelvic for me because here's a couple things to consider. Uh, you are not the first person to look at their vagina at this point in a pregnancy. If you're coming into yep. to, to third trimester, they have had plenty of doctors, midwives, nurses uh, down there scoping it out. If you are a medical professional and you are calm and being professional and you say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and, and even use the term pelvic exam, 
Uh, I think yeah. that is kind of one of those things. It, it, it's a term they're going to be used to. It's a term that kind of exudes professionalism. Just be really careful. Like if you're starting like, oh, I need to look and see if the baby's coming out of your vagina, they're not going to be super receptive to that. Um, but if you would say, okay, ma'am, like I'm going to go ahead and do a quick pelvic exam and just to check for uh, dilation and crowning and those kind of things. Those are terms are going to be used to. And then you can just go down and you do it. Uh, especially in this case, she was in a nightgown and a jacket. I mean, there's yep. not even a barrier uh, to getting it done. I had a fairly traumatic I, call that uh, resulted in me always checking pelvics. Uh, maybe we'll do a story on that someday. I don't know. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, like, because we're not doing any kind of a internal exam so you could just be like hey i just need to you know do a very quick like visual pelvic exam just to make sure that there mm-hmm. you know, no crowning and they'll be like there isn't you'll be like that's okay i just need to check real quick if you're comfortable with that if yeah. you approach this with sort of a presumed comfort like if you appear uncomfortable like chris said if you stutter through it if you're like i uh, need to look at your vagina <laughs> <laughs> like of course they're going to be like yeah, no, <laughs> absolutely not. You can't. But if you come at it with, you know, like, hey, I need to do this assessment real quick, you know, uh, then again, that'll that just goes over because they're going to respond to your <laughs> an example of this. Uh, have you ever had somebody new start an IV like who's new at IVs try and start an IV in your arm? It's fucking terrifying. Yeah, it is. They, they come at you shaking. <laughs> that and they don't like they're and you're like, oh God, you don't know what you're doing. And even if they get it, the whole time you're going like, oh God, please don't hurt me. Please, 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 please. But like the best people come out and they're like, I'm gonna put this in your arm, and you're like, oh God, okay. And then they just do it. And you're I will like, tell oh, you this. Wow. I got nervous because I had to get blood drawn before I went to work for the uh, place at UNI, the air medical service that you and I both work at. Yeah. And the lady came in. Here's the thing. I have huge veins. I'm a skinny guy. I exercise regularly. These things are pipes. And uh, for some and so someone puts it, this gal comes in, she puts a tourniquet on me. And then she had some trouble tying the tourniquet. And that kind of like clues me in. Because here's the thing. I tie tourniquets. Uh, so when you start an IV, I mean, I know most of our listeners probably know this. We, we put a little tourniquet on there. I mean, if you've ever had blood drawn, you know what I'm talking about. A little rubber tourniquet yeah. just kind of make the veins pop up. Like I tie tourniquets so quickly and so often that I was one time trying to explain to someone how to tie a tourniquet for an IV start. And I couldn't do it because I didn't know how I did it. I just do it so often. <laughs> Like I literally, I'm like, yeah, you tie them like, uh, well just watch me. And then I just did it really quick. And everyone's just like, can you slow that down? And then I realized, no, I can't, I cannot slow this down. If I do it any slower, I think about what I'm doing and I forget what I'm doing. So, but that's just it though. So if someone comes in and they're really considering how to tie the tourniquet in my mind, I'm like, you don't do this a lot. And so it started dawning me, I'm like, maybe this is someone who's like technically a nurse and technically this is in their scope, but this isn't their thing. And then she starts really like slapping my AC, trying to get the veins to pop up and really like poking around. And I'm, and I'm sitting there. I'm like, the veins are like Girl. preventing the movement of your finger. How are you not <laughs> finding them at this point? Like you're trying to go around yeah. and you're like pushing them out of the way. They'll look underneath them. And, uh, and yeah, she goes, these ones are too big. I need to find the small ones underneath. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And I literally have a spot in my wrist, actually on both wrists where I have four veins that kind of clump together and they all go over the top of each other. So you could just throw a needle in the middle of my wrist and you'll get something. Uh, and so, yeah. And, and, and she got it, but what she basically did was she just took the butterfly needle and she just stabbed in really deep. And then just <laughs> pulled back until blood came out. Oh, God. So nice. basically what she did was she went through the vein, out the other side of the vein into meat, and then just yep. pulled back until the end was back in the vein again and then just filled up the tubes. And it hurts. Nice. Yeah. And it probably didn't hurt. It probably hurt more because I'm like, this is going to hurt. <laughs> but anyway. probably. Sorry, that was a little bit of a diatribe. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's a thing. Be so exude confidence and, and they will feel better about what you're doing, even if you're yeah. not quite sure. Yep. This is one of those where you just kind of have to fake it till you make it. Even if you're uncomfortable, you don't get to be. I I have been very uncomfortable in this position, like as a paramedic. I have I have handled penis. Never thought I would yeah. 
I never thought I'd do that. I've had to look at testicles. I like, I have had to see and touch some shit that I just, I'd never, I just, I, I don't like. And you know what? That just is the way it has to be. You know, that's right. That is the job. So yeah, they, they did not do a physical assessment or at least the assessment that was really pertinent, which, you know, again, it didn't burn them, but mm, you know, um, I think some other things that there were some other questions that they missed, like, you know, they didn't ask about bleeding, abdominal pain, um, you know, uh, s- sort of small deals like that. And then, right. you know, I, I realize that not every agency has this, the ground ones that I work for don't have, but other ground ambulances do. And a good thing to do would also be to do a Doppler assessment of the fetal heart rate. Um, but again, that's not possible here because the ambulances didn't carry them, but a really good thing to do for the ambulances that do. I definitely know there are some uh, like that our uh, flight service comes in contact with who uh, use Doppler and they use it for cardiac arrest mostly. But yeah, um, yeah. Um, I think the other thing that they really missed out on, and this is just sort of some forward thinking is rather than start filling out the run sheet for the patient, which, you know, I, I don't begrudge because I've definitely sat back when sure. there's nothing else to do and started, you know, like, all right, well, fill this thing out. Um, but this was not that patient. There were actually other things they could have been doing because she was in super active labor and they didn't get like their birth kit out or prepare, like put on the aforementioned gown, like you mentioned, other than mm-hmm. getting an IV, which <laughs> side note on the IV, the L&D nurses have asked the paramedics, at least in the areas that I've talked to L&D nurses. Absolutely. Please don't, please don't put IVs in the AC. Yeah. And the reason being is like, if you've ever, if you want to know why, go to YouTube and just start looking up uh, labor videos. And what you're going to see is you're going to see a lot of pregnant women bending right, bending their arms. And the antecubital area, of course, is just going to, if you have an IV right there, what's going to end up happening is that catheter in there is just going to get bent over and over again until it stops flowing. Um, it's also hard to access because a lot of IVs have ports near the near the hub where it connects, and so it's going to pull back in. So if you can get a forearm, that's a lot better. Um hands are better than ACs, but even hands are kind of difficult because they're going to move their hands a lot and be grabbing on the things. So kind of the, the area between the wrist and the AC is really where you want to plug those bad boys in. Yeah, absolutely. So I, they needed to prepare. So I, I, here's the ultimate sort of learning point, I think, between the assessment and no preparation. This is a low frequency call type. True. We don't we don't go on pregnancies very often. We don't, you know, like I, but this is also one of those where you might find yourself in a situation where you don't have time to look up the protocol mm-hmm. <laughs> in the moment. Uh, you might be catching a baby or, you know, God forbid you find yourself with a, like a really complex, like, Oh my God, there's a limb presenting from, you know, the vagina, like, Oh fuck, what do I do? That also, again, really bad time to look up the protocol. You know, uh, you, so if you don't, if you don't know the questions, like the treatments or just the general flow of your protocol, when you're sitting around, don't expect to know it any better in the moment. <laughs> right. Like, so like right now, like if you're listening yeah. in an ambulance, like, like fucking turn to your partner and be like, Hey man, what are some of the steps in the pregnancy protocol and just watch the color drain from their face. Uh, <laughs> God. And then, you know, like look that shit up right now because now's the time. Now is the time to refamiliarize yourself with it. You don't want to, you know, like you don't want to have to do a, a cricothyrotomy uh, cold. You know, you don't want to just like get out. And someone's like, you need to crank this person right now. If you haven't been prepared for it. Really quick you though, if you're be, currently driving an ambulance, please don't look it up like right now. Like, have work. your partner look it up. Yep, yep. there you go. <laughs> yep, exactly. Uh, <laughs> valid. All right. Yep. <laughs> Fine. Don't drive and read. But if you do get in a massive accident, go ahead and email EMS2020 at EMS2020podcast at gmail.com and let us know about the call so we can put your embarrassing story on this show. I think the other points that we hit on 
have been kind of touched on already, which is communication 101. Um, I, a good episode I'll refer people back to, or at least I think it's a decent episode, is the head and the heart. And we talk about communication, um, you know, and sort of some, some key points to, you know, uh, soliciting cooperation from people who might otherwise not be, you know, able to communicate. And, you know, a lot of it is just like align your goals, you know, try and get, try and, you know, like if they're, if, 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 if patients in a lot of pain and they're not able to give you answer, then just damn address the pain, like help them out, let them know you are working for them. Like you're on their side and you know, like that you need help to help them. Um, and yeah, help me, exactly. Help me help you, you know, don't yell it at them, but you know, like, help me help you, man. Come on. Um, You know, I think the other part, though, is like, even though he was not super involved and some of the advice he gave uh, is, as you pointed out, sort of iffy. uh, And I'm glad you pointed it out because I missed that when I uh, when I took the call. Um, The partner was involved, like he he participated. He asked the questions. They both like, yeah, he he also missed the assessment. He didn't make sure that his partner did an assessment. He certainly didn't do one when he was back there. And Mm -hmm. he probably should have in recognizing that his partner basically had nothing from the start. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's kind of where I'm at. But you know, like he did, he, he was still paying attention in that he was, you know, laughing at his partner, uh, trying to, uh, that's true. Trying that's true. He did not completely shut off. That that is very and, true. You know, he said like, "Hey, man, like, stop yelling at the patient. Like, just give up, <laughs> but stop yelling." Yeah. So, which I'm going to give partial credit for, because yeah, like Miller should definitely stop yelling. But yeah, like you're 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 also right. Like he basically just says like, "Yeah, don't worry about it." <laughs> yeah, when you probably yeah, should. Yeah. Well, hey, everybody, thank you again for listening to another episode of EMS 2020. Um, we're just we're setting new weekly records. Every single episode is doing better than the previous episode. So we're really grateful for you guys. If you guys want to follow us on facial uh, on facial media on uh, so, <laughs> what's on your oh mind. Boy. <laughs> anyway, makeup uh, on uh, social media. Uh, you can visit us on Facebook at EMS 20 slash 20. And we are on Instagram at EMS 2020 show. Email us at EMS 2020 podcast at gmail.com. And with that, I would ask Spencer to awkwardly see us out. But I think you I nailed it. took us down yeah, today. I can't. <laughs> yeah. So I'll just leave you guys with Spencer's I'm yell. Spent. Here it is. <laughs> ah!